0: as a leader, your job is to set the stage for what is the future vision of the business, decompose that into a set of requirements for activity, and then make sure that you've got the right people.
1: Welcome to the Twins Talk Tech Leadership Podcast, where we highlight and explore the views of thought leaders and organizations across the tech industry. We're presenting topics on leadership, sales, and trends from our perspective as individuals, and of course, as twins. Welcome to the Twins Talk Tech Leadership. From time to time, we're treated something amazing, something special. And today, we have that special treat for our audience. Today, we have a senior seasoned executive who I met a long, long time ago as I was beginning my track into management. And he's impacted my life back in the past and I'm so grateful to have him on our Twins Talk Tech Leadership podcast today. Kevin Hooper's experience includes a diverse range of executive roles, leadership roles in sales, marketing, operations, strategy, and business transformation. He has a passion for solving complex problems by bringing in people together and finding the right business synergies that delivers real customer value. Then he takes all of that together and finds success in scaling that business. From national, regional, geo, he's had roles all over the place, ranging from a $45 million organization to running a $4 billion practice in annual revenues. He's been involved in many organizations. In fact, right when we started it, we were talking about our days at HP and IBM. He's been a senior executive at Lenovo, Oracle, NEC, any large organization you can think about when it comes to having a complex solution, a complex sales cycle. This is what Kevin does best, getting the right people together and making the solution work best for the customer by bringing value as well as for the organization. Kevin, welcome to the Twins Talk Tech Leadership Podcast. How are you?
0: I am doing really great. Thanks. It's a pleasure to be here. And um, I'm... I'm, uh, Borderline embarrassed by everything that you just said, um, and I, hopefully I'll be significantly more humble as I answer all of your questions as we go forward. Thanks very much for the nice leading.
1: You got it. And from time to time, we'll let our audience know who's actually asking the question. Dave and I sometimes. So perhaps something um, about you and I. We've met a long time ago. You were a leader at IBM, and you're a leader at HP. And I met you during one of the acquisitions that HP had. And this is when you were leading that group and you actually imparted some wisdom with me of all the organizations you've led, Kevin, over all the years, why do you find passion in turning things around and making something complex into something that could be operationally positive? Why is that such a passion of yours? Um,
0: Basically it comes down to people. Um, You you paid me a huge compliment uh, at at the top of this show by saying that you remembered a conversation that we had many years ago where I imparted some, some value. And that's really what drives me. Um, anyone who has led people, anyone who has managed people, know they can't pay you enough for the headaches and the negativity that can come with that. Um, and what really drives you is if you can sit at the back of the room um, or from afar, a watch a podcast and see someone that you met earlier in your career or even as late as last week, um, and you can see the effect that you personally had on them, that's more than enough for me. Um, I I say, when people ask me what are the highlights of my career, it's the fact that um, currently, uh, and it is current, um, there are three CEOs out there that worked for me that I still consider and call dear friends. Um, and my success really comes from their success. It's not anything that I'm doing. It's, it's about how far they've come in their careers.
1: Kevin, this is David and I appreciate what you shared. And it speaks so much about who you are as a leader and as a person that you're so personable that someone can remember a conversation that they've had with you. And that be so impactful in terms of the trajectory of their own career. And so thank you for encouraging my brother and encouraging him with his own leadership journey. Uh, You've had quite a few roles and I'd like to ask you to share a little bit about your leadership journey And perhaps maybe a little bit about your leadership style that has evolved over the years, working with so many different organizations and people. Can you touch on that for us?
0: Absolutely. Um, First of all, it's nice that you put it that way. My wife refers to it as I can't hold a job. Um, uh, In in reality, um, unfortunately, in the third decade of the 21st century, the type of jobs that I do have a shelf life. Um, Typically, people that do what I do, um, do it for somewhere between 18 and 36 months. Um, my average is right in there, uh, somewhere. The leadership journey that I've been on though is really use the right word. It's a journey. Um, in my early days, if I look back at some of the things, when I first had a conversation with Danny, um, you know, there are things that I made mistakes on. And the, the trick is to learn from those mistakes. The trick is to observe other leaders and make note of the things that you like, the things that drove you, that drove your passion. When a leader touched you, put those in, in your kit bag and then try to repeat those. Um, but also, as importantly, is to observe the leaders that do things that you don't like. Um, now, it's important to put it into perspective because one of the, the humbling aspects of this journey is when you make a mistake as a leader, you affect somebody. Um, and so you have to put it into perspective because just, just because you don't like it doesn't mean to say that you're not going to benefit from it. But there are certain things, uh, certain leadership traits, um, certain levels of aggression, uh, that leaders can come across with that you can say, you know what, I didn't like that. I didn't like the reaction that the team had to that. I'm not going to do that, or I'm going to do my best to avoid it. It's why uh, being emotionally intelligent, the ability that you develop over time and through experience um, to recognize your own triggers, uh, to recognize when you react negatively to things and to try to put it right, try to put it right. Um, And at the end of the day, uh, and a good, good friend of mine uh, just recently pointed out, um, don't mistake niceness for kindness. Kindness is important in leadership, being kind. Now, that doesn't mean to say that you're overly nice or or obsequious or sugary. Um, It means that at the end of the day, uh, businesses are successful. Um, You can take advantage of a market if you're successful. Uh, If the people are motivated, they understand what the vision of the future is, and they know what their role is in delivering on that vision. Um, And you are kind- by making choices and communicating and being professional to those people, if they don't fit, um, but you're also kind. If you look at people and you go, you know that you could do a little bit better there, and this is where I would recommend you focus. Um, that's you know, it's a, a lot. My journey isn't done. I'm learning every day, um, and you know, the world that I started out my career in in the in the early nineties. And the world in this third decade of the 21st century is very different. Um, and the way in which you have to uh, lead people and uh, act is also very different. And frankly, that's kind of a good thing. It's kind of a good thing. Always be progressing.
1: This is Danny. I really appreciate the words of wisdom that you're providing about the leadership style and explain the difference between kind and nice. And one of the things that really stands out to me is that even though you've been a president, an SVP, a GM, you've had all these executive leadership roles where the roles that you've taken have been really needing to transform that organization, turn it around, and then you move on to your next leadership role. Uh, you've said something very important, always learning. And I think a lot of times we think that once we become a president or we become an SVP, that we're done learning. And what I really appreciate you saying is that you're always learning. And that's really the key. It's about taking this opportunity to learn, learn the people, learn the room, learn the technology, learn what can I do better? How can I lead better? When I advise this individual, did I do it in a way with leading with empathy? And you said, sometimes it's okay to tell somebody they need to do better. And I appreciate that. I know growing up where my part of my culture, you had to be the best. And so if someone told me, hey, I did a great job, but it wasn't great, I would feel like they were doing me a disservice. So I really appreciate you talking about always learning. And one of the things that I like to do when I travel around the world and I used to leave global sales, I like to learn a lot about the culture before I go visit, the customs. So make sure that I don't really dishonor the person that's representing me, which is my country leader, who I would go and just what I call mentor them. And then they would tell me how the country's doing. But at the same time, I wouldn't dishonor my company, representing my company by doing the American thing in that culture. So I really appreciate you talking about that learning aspect of all the roles that you've had. And the leadership styles that you've had, it seems to me that you still appreciate words of wisdom from close people that are close to you. And I appreciate you sharing that. Uh, What words of wisdom would you apply to our audience who is now getting to a position of leadership? Maybe it's their first time leading a region or maybe the first time leading a large group, large team. What words could you tell this individual uh, because there's this pressure to look good. There's this pressure to hit the numbers. There's this pressure to over-deliver on the quarter for the quarter with your whole region. What kind of words of wisdom can you provide that first-time uh, leader leading a region? We'll be right back after this short break. I am delighted to announce that at Meetup's customers can now benefit from the presentation and speaking training courses with our integration and partnership with DSB Leadership Group. DSP Leadership Group is committed to providing training and resources to support professionals becoming more effective communicators and increase their impact and value. And that is the reason why at Meetup and DSP Leadership Group have formed a partnership to make sure that our MSPs, which is you, can be effective and powerful speakers in the community. Whether you are hosting a major conference, a specialized training, or a year-end corporate event, Finding the right keynote speaker or breakout speaker should be at the top of your priority list. Partner with Elite Speaker Services to book speakers according to your specifications and needs. Elite Speaker Services has the depth of speakers and the experience to bring you peace of mind and a successful event. Go to EliteSpeakerServices.com for all your event needs. Let us deliver the message your audience needs to hear. Let us deliver beyond your expectations. Pigs don't have to fly for you to retire a millionaire. Optimize how you spend, save, and grow your money with the Millionaire Me app. Millionaire Me was designed to help Gens X, Y, and Z become after-tax millionaires in retirement. Even if you haven't started saving, you can get started. Get all the tools that you'll need in one easy to use app to get you toward your goal of retiring as a millionaire. So remember, pigs don't have to fly for you to retire a millionaire. Go to the App Store, download the app to get started, and even now you could join in their campaign this month entitled the March Forward Savings Challenge. Get started and learn how to become that millionaire.
0: so the the first thing is and and i'm going to give you these words of wisdom is um don't be afraid to mercilessly rip off somebody else um if they give you words of wisdom um that are useful to you i'm i'm not going to advertise a book but there's a book over my left shoulder um that was a a bible for me uh called first break all the rules Uh, and in it um it essentially says as a as a first line manager your human instinct is actually bad. And what I mean by that is um, the human in us all, and and quite frankly, what we've all experienced over the last three years or so um, uh, in dealing with the pandemic is to always look out for um, the person that's struggling. Uh, In business, that can be the worst thing that you can do. And, And when I say look out for them, it's that you have this arrogance to think that you can change somebody. In reality, when someone is failing, it's because there is a mismatch either between the motivation or their skills or uh, their experience and the mission that you have. And generally speaking, it can be through no fault of their own. The market can change. Uh, the role and responsibility can change. They're just in the wrong job. And all too often, first-time managers and first-time leaders um, attempt to try to fix that, spend all of their time, right? Uh, I mean, if you're a parent, um, you don't get to fire your child. Um, so so it's that instinct that is um, going to be your downfall. It also will take you away from the, the other two categories. So the, this book uh, defines three people, people that are failing largely through no fault of their own. Um, there are people that have the aptitude to be great and the people that are great. When you spend too much time on the people that are in the wrong job, um, you ignore the other two. And that's where your success will come from. First of all, you're ignoring your rock stars and they are fragile. They have egos. Um, you think you're paying, especially in sales, you think you're paying them a lot of money. They need accolades, they need public recognition, they need to go to club, those types of things. Don't take your eye off that ball because they're your, your, um, they're your today, your present. Your future is the people that have the aptitude to be great. Um, you'll get the most out of your time and spending time with those people. And those last people, don't throw them away. Do everything you can internally and externally to find them a place where they are going to be happiest. Um, I said earlier that some of my career highlights are are people that have become CEOs. Um, Some of the other things that really sort of help me sleep at night when I've had a rough day is the number of people that I have quote fired that I still keep in touch with. That have reached out to me and said, you know, that was the best thing that you ever did because I was going to spend all of my time, to your point about how you were raised in your culture, I was going to spend all of my time putting all of my effort into continually failing, when in reality I needed someone to help me recognize that I just needed to stop doing A and go be great at B, um, and so so those are the things I would say, you know, you you really need to As as a first line leader, that's what I've learned over the years is is spend all of as much of your time as you can with your rock stars and people have the aptitude to be rock stars and then help the other people find a place where they can be a rock star.
1: This is David, Kevin. And for our listening audience out there today, if you are listening and you love this content, you appreciate the guests we bring to this show, make sure you are subscribed and download this program. I'm inspired, Kevin, and I can see why you've been able to impact so many people. I love that. I love that you mentioned in this book, Break All the Rules, because we're so accustomed to try to be rigid and fit in this mold, and we've got to follow the system, we've got to do all these things. And, and the book's not saying don't follow certain systems, it's about learning how to manage where you bring the best out of people. And that's what you've done. And I love how you said, hey, you might have your rock stars, but you might have a rock star right there in your department That just needs that opportunity to shine or that just needs that little encouragement to break out of that mold so that they in turn not only become that rock star that you see in them, but it helps the company become more profitable, more efficient, more effective. I love that. And this is why it's important to learn how to manage people, how to learn to adapt your own style as a leader to say, what do I need to be? to become the best for that person I'm training or the best for that department I'm leading that that group of people I'm guiding I love this this is so encouraging there's the wisdom right there and and I and I love that you said sometimes you got to recycle it It, it's not just something you just made up Ah, you got this magical insight write a book no you're recycling things that work And sometimes what works is acknowledging the people that you have, seeing them with a spirit of empathy and being a servant leader or just saying, hey, I wanna be direct with you. And this is why you're able to go back or have relationships with people that you've had to let go or people you had to be tough with because it brought the best out of them. I love that. Um, Kevin, you also mentioned something about the health pandemic. I wanted to ask you with this shift in workforce models, we talked about hybrid work from home, you, you've seen this increase in the tech space with a massive layoffs and perhaps five, 10 years ago, there was an overhire in that, in that space. But what do you see as some of the biggest challenges facing the IT industry right now? And what should organizations do to address that or to hedge against that?
0: Yeah, so it's a, this is a great question. Um, so first of all, let me be um, uh, very transparent and open. Um, I actually was part of Uh, the downsizing that occurred in the early part of this year in 2023, which is why I've got the time to do things like this. Um, And and it's also a great time to to reflect. Um, So two things. One, the information technology industry benefited hugely from the pandemic, uh, primarily because we've had this kind of technology to communicate for most of the last 15 years or so. We just didn't really use it um, the way we use it today until we were forced to. It was a forcing function. Um, Also, that forcing function forced a bunch of companies that had not upgraded everything from giving people underpowered laptops with two two small screens all the way through to the infrastructure necessary in order to support things like video conferencing in a real way. And and the IT industry benefited from that in the first year or so. It's what, what ultimately contributed to the supply chain problem, which we just bought too many chips and too many screens. Um, What it taught us from a leadership standpoint, and I'll talk about my own journey. Um, When the world sort of shut down in the middle of March 2020, um, that week I'd had an interesting week. I'd done uh, an in-person, my last in-person event for a while where um, people were running around trying to figure out as something as simple as where to put the hand sanitizers on the desks. Um, uh, could we use them, should we use them? Um, And then why had all of the healthcare professionals decided not to show up that day? Um, Within a couple of days after that, you had to go back to basics. The first principle of leadership is communication. And we had to relearn how to communicate. I went from doing a quarterly all hands to weekly all hands. I had a team of uh, north of 300 people um, and I did weekly business updates and a weekly social hour, because the opportunities that I had, that I had to meet with uh, my friend here in person, when we were together uh, in California 12 years ago, 13 years ago, didn't exist. So you had to make those. Uh, As a leader, I, I offered my time to all 300 of my team and said, if you are isolated, if you are unable um, to communicate with people just want to chat, set up some time, reach out to me, text me. Because in an office environment, you'd run into that person walking to the bathroom. You'd run into that person walking to the break room to get a cup of coffee. Those opportunities weren't afforded to us. Um, And so what has happened and what we have learned, first of all, what we learned is, Um, we can be more efficient. We can uh, utilize this technology. Um, We can protect each other if we need to by doing this. Um, And we can also take the investments that businesses have made in real estate and redirect them towards technology that makes us more efficient, that ultimately puts us in a better position to solve our customers' problems. Um, But again... Just like any tool and just like any situation, we got to go back to first principles. As a leader, your job is to set the stage for what is the future vision of the business, decompose that into a set of requirements for activity, and then make sure that you've got the right people or those people have the right skills in order to execute that that activity. That doesn't change. And unfortunately, pre-pandemic, um, we were doing a bunch of that sort of on autopilot. And the pandemic forced us to think back. It's just like if you're practicing for a sport, right? It, it, any sport has got a series of drills that you do. Why do you do those drills? So that when you're drilling and you're doing that movement at 100%, on the field of play or in the heat of battle, you do it at 80%. The pandemic forced us to do that. It forced us to everything from... Um, the way we interact to just understanding what the buying cycle is in a customer. Because those people, again, some of that buying cycle was occurring sort of organically as people walked around an office in terms of the exchange of information. That went away. And it forced salespeople to come back to who's your buying comm- committee? How are they making decisions? What are the metrics that they're using? How are they getting their information? Um, so yeah, I, I, think it has changed in many respects. It changed us for the better, um, forced us to care a little bit more about each other, but it also, just like everything else, when you amplify the good, you also amplify the bad. It, it identified some of the divisions that exist in us as a species, um, and things that we can work on to get better. Uh, and, and a friend of mine, a mentor of mine, again, I'll rip him off. Uh, liberally, um, he always says, "What can I do differently or better?" He doesn't focus on the negative. It's always about differently or better. Um, and Danny, you may may remember Randy Seidel from uh, HB. I'll give a plug. Uh, he's
1: out there right now. We'll be right back after this short break. We want to thank our sponsor for today's episode, Paul Jakovitz of pauljakovitz.com. For all your website design and management needs, visit Paul pauljakovitz. That's paul, J-A-C-K-I-E-W-I-C-Z.com. Are you projecting the right image to your market? Are you optimizing your name recognition and presence online? This is David, Kevin, and let me first of all say, I I love how you're bringing into perspective how organizations have responded to the health pandemic. And the reality is that those who responded well found opportunities within this health pandemic and they were able to thrive. And those that did not respond well struggled and you saw the result. A lot of them had to go out of business, Some of them were acquired by other companies because they did not know how to appropriately uh, take advantage of the challenges that really were born from this pandemic. But you said something that's interesting about just the pandemic, what it did. It exposed good, bad, exposed positive opportunities, exposed challenges and, and kinks in the armor, so to speak. And you touched on the importance of communication because for leadership, communication is so important. And what you did, which was interesting in terms of responding to this crisis, is you opened up a two-way channel of communication. For a lot of people, they go in the organization, they say, okay, that's the C-suite level, can't really talk to them, can't address them, there's not a format for me to say anything to them. And yet there was an opportunity that you saw, if I could open up a two-way channel, so to speak, it could become critical for success in terms of the execution that I put out there for my vision, right? So I want to put this out there. I believe it's important at every level of the organization. But for me, as a leader, I wanted to open up a different channel for those that I'm re- that I'm uh, overseeing and, and, and responding to. I love that because what I've seen is that words resonate from leaders, and I'll tell you what else resonates from leaders: silence. So when they say nothing, that tells you something as well. So I'm so glad you touched on that, Kevin. That was so inspiring. I, I just wanted to throw that in there, Dan before you ask your question and, and say, thank you, Kevin, for that point. I'm going to say, this is Danny, that um, another thing stood out was the, the um, depthness of your relationship with your mentor and the feedback you receive on a continuous basis. The fact that you said, what can I do differently or better? Do not focus on the negative is really vital when you're a leader. Very vital. Mm-hmm. Even uh, this is my second company. And One of the times, one of the things I thought about my first company, my IT services business before I started this sales training company, uh, was so many times, Hey, why didn't I do this? Why didn't I do that? I was so focused on the negative. It kept me from really building team a lot better. And we had three offices. I was really excited about it. Uh, but I think we could have done more if I would've just went back and said, Hey, what can I do differently? What can I do better as a leader? And as David said, when you're silent, you're actually speaking loudly (laughs) to your employees as well. Uh, So great words of wisdom, uh, Kevin. I really appreciate it. Another thing I want to make sure our audience knows, you do not have to recreate everything from scratch. You can borrow for something that already works. You can add your own twist to it as a leader, as Kevin has said, and it's very important. I mean, he's got to run billion-dollar companies, and you can't do that if he has to start everything from scratch. He has to take what's working, apply certain principles, go back to the first principles as he said. But at the same time, find out who your rock stars are and find out who are those people on the bench. And if you watch sports if you play any type of sports, it doesn't matter if it's football, if it's soccer, if it's basketball, if you do not build up your bench and they're not ready to play because in practice, you do not get them to practice the right way. When it comes time for game action, they have to go 100%. You will fail. So it is very, very important and vital. If you're a leader out there, look at your bench, continue to have programs to develop your bench because- that bench may become the future leaders that's gonna continue to propel your organization to the next level. So Kevin, thank you very much for that. I appreciate you telling our audience that. I'm gonna segue real quick because we talked about trends a little bit that happened in the pandemic. You said something so profound. We've had this technology for 15 years. But the pandemic allowed it to take off. Look at the stock of Zoom. Look at the stock of uh, Slack when it was acquired uh, by Salesforce. Look at Microsoft Teams and how Microsoft is putting all the technology so everything can be done in Teams. Voice can be done in Teams, your SharePoint, all your files, your communication. It is really taken to the next level because of the pandemic, but it's always been there. Now we have this new technology, but it's not really new. There's a lot of AI tools out there. We have this thing called ChatGBT, and Microsoft is integrating that into their Edge browser. Uh, what are you seeing now as far as like new trends or new abilities to integrate because of what's been taking place that maybe if we're new, we listen into that and we try to take advantage of that for the future? What other trends are you seeing happening?
0: All right, well, it's, it's, it's bimodal. Uh, especially around things like ChatGPT and the effect of AI. Um, and when I say bimodal, again, um, like a lot of things that have, have happened in the last uh, three years with respect to the pandemic, in the absence of, of that human communication, which still hasn't gone back to what we used to do. All right, so we've, we're figuring out this new normal but the two trends that I'm seeing is one, um, uh, and maybe it's um, the best way to uh, uh, to describe it is is uh, strategy by watching Hollywood movies. The number of times, uh, and I volunteer at a local um, incubator to help small businesses in the Chicagoland area. The number of times I've heard Um, scare stories about AI uh, that largely come from watching the Terminator series about what the negative ramifications are about AI, which stop people from using it before it gets going. Mostly because people don't really understand what's going on. To a certain extent, it's a lot like um, security. Now, I don't want to downplay the effect of security, but many people are quite happy um, to hand their credit card to a, a waiter in a restaurant um, and have that waiter walk away with that credit card, um, uh, something that, frankly, Europeans haven't done for years and years and years. Um, that, and they're really comfortable with doing that, but they're worried about the, the effect that uh, their data on the, on the internet is going to have and that someone's going to seek them out and take advantage of them. Um, AI is the same way. People have this negative, immediate, visceral reaction, frankly, to something they don't really understand. Um, And in reality, AI, especially things like ChatGPT, is frankly just more like a hammer, right? A hammer has a very specific purpose, and there are certain different types of hammers for certain things. There are drywall hammers. There are regular hammers hammering in Mm -hmm. nails into wood. Um, There are hammers uh, for pounding things flat. But you can also hurt someone with a hammer. Um, and that's that's what I think is is happening. Personally, I'm really enjoying Chat GPT. I think um, I think the people that need to sort of think about the effect ChatGPT is having um, is it is the next evolution of, of, in my opinion, of the effect that the internet has had. In the sales cycle. We used to, as salespeople, have a significant amount of what we, what we did as education about our product or our service. Most of the time now you show up into a sales situation with a customer and that customer is self-educated. The fact that they've even accepted the meeting means they know what your project, product is, they know what it does, they generally know how much it's going to cost, um, and they know what the return on investment is going to be from their, uh, from their side, right? And, and frankly, that was 80% of what a salesperson did 10, 15 years ago um same example um my son goes to college in scotland um so uh, i was planning a trip to go to scotland to visit him i w- went into chat gpt and i said give me a two-day itinerary within a two-hour drive radius of edinburgh that would have been seven eight maybe ten different searches in google for me to put that together chat gpt generated it in less than 10 seconds um i've also had silly things like um compare and contrast einstein's special theory of relativity with general relativity as if you are dr seuss writing a nursery rhyme and it came back to me um and and it's a lot of fun but also for people that are in the situation i find myself in um that are looking at trying to write a cover letter you can take a job description cut and paste that job description and your resume into ChatGPT and say, please write me a cover letter that is three paragraphs or less. Now, it won't be perfect, but just like any other tool, right? if I try to use a drywall hammer um, to build a tree house for my kid, I can do it, but I'm gonna have to put a heck of a lot more effort in because I'm not using the right tool. ChatGPT and tools like it, whether it's the the new ones that are out there to help you generate PowerPoints, people shouldn't be looking at this as as something that is going to put them out of work. They should be looking at this as something that's going to take the drudgery out of work and allow you to do that thing that you thought you were going to be able to do when you were a bright-eyed, bushy-tailed new graduate coming out of college or high school. Um, uh, Back in the day, I used to um, run teams to sell business intelligence, and I used to say, it's three questions. You ever asked IT to give you a report? Yes. Have you ever been frustrated because that report took three days? Yes. Have you ever thought twice about asking a second report because you saw the first report because that first report took three days? Yes. Then you might be in the business for a dashboard or or business intelligence. Think about that with these AI tools that are out there as ways to help you do your job. And it's probably not going to rise up rise up and and take us all over and, and cause a war at least
1: not necessarily
0: in the next five to ten years.
1: This is David Kevin, and i'm I'm smiling here because you touched on something that's important for those not in the tech sector to shy from when there's a new tool out there. don't get stuck with your cassette tapes don't get stuck with your vinyl albums. You you can respect that and appreciate it, but lean into the technology. Don't run away from it. And as you mentioned earlier, you don't have to be overwhelmed with chat GPT, these new AI tools that are out there. Figure out what's going to work best for your organization. I, I can't tell you how many times I'm working with a company and maybe they've got Microsoft Office and they've got the Microsoft tools and they've barely understood how to use them or they've got this robust CRM and all that they're, they're putting in there is the customer's names and phone numbers and email addresses. I mean, there, There's so much complexity that's out there. What I would definitely say is figure out what's going to be best for your organization and then maximize it, go into it as deep as you can because that's, what's going to help you to create those efficiencies. That's what's going to help you to create more productivity. And it could in so many ways, streamline your organization. So you may not get, every single new technology out there. But when you find the one that makes sense for you, refine it, refine it, use it, refine it until the next one comes around that could best suit your organization. Thank you for listening to the Twins Talk Tech Leadership. Please subscribe, download, and share this program. Learn about sponsorship opportunities and become featured on our program follow us on linkedin and other social media platforms be sure to also give our other program twins talk it up a listen as well we will see you next time in the next episode of twins talk tech leadership